Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to Ezekiel chapter 37. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 14 together. This morning, we're continuing our sermon series that we started last week entitled Standing on the Promises of God. We looked at 2 Corinthians 1.20 last week, which says, For all the promises of God find their yes in Him, that is why it is through Him that we utter our amen to God for His glory. Last week, we looked at um, kind of a biblical overview of what a, a promise is. And we looked at how, how, how God's promises can be counted on, can't they? You believe that this morning, that God's promises can be counted on? If He says He's going to do something, we can be certain that He is going to do it. We looked at the difference between conditional promises and unconditional promises. We looked at... Um, at how, how it's important that we make sure that we don't take promises out of context. We also looked at how um, we need to make sure that we don't pick and choose the promises of God and, and just kind of choose the ones that, let's say, are the warm, fuzzy promises and fail to recognize that we have also been promised that we will experience storms in life and suffering in life and persecution in life. We looked at those things. Now, this morning... We're going to be looking at the promise of regeneration, and we're going to look at the story of the prophet Ezekiel, where he receives a vision from the Lord of a valley of dry bones. So if you have your Bibles, again, turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 37. We're going to look at verses 1 through 14 together, and these are the words from the Lord's word. The hand of the Lord was upon me. And he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O oh Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath. To enter you, and you shall live, and I will lay um, sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound. And behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bones to its bones. Then I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as, I, as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord." 
when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, then I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. Our message point this morning is dead things brought to life. Do you believe that God can bring dead things back to life? Do you believe that he can bring dead people back to life? Throughout Scripture, we see that to be true. We go to the Old Testament, we see the story of both um, Elijah and Elisha, where they lay over um, the body of dead boys, and both of those boys raised to life again. In the New Testament, we see where Jesus raised Jairus and Lazarus both from the dead. Peter prayed over Tabitha, and she was raised to life again. Paul prayed over Eutychus, and he was laid to and he, and he was raised to life again. Each of those stories revealed the glorious resurrection power that comes from the Lord. Now, there is a difference between the stories of, of these that were resurrected to life and the story that we're looking at this morning. The difference between the two is this. When, whenever Elijah and Elijah laid over those dead boys, both of those boys still had their skin on, didn't they? They had yet to decompose. The same was true for, for Jairus' daughter and Lazarus and Eutychus. But this morning, the vision that Ezekiel gets is he gets this vi vi vision of a valley full of dry bones. There's no skin left on those bones. And he is commanded by the Lord to prophesy to those bones, and they are brought back to life again. How many of you have ever been to Death Valley, California before? Okay, a few of y'all have. I don't know why anybody in their right mind would want to go to that place. As I was reading and kind of um, studying up on Death Valley, um, I read that it has recorded the hottest temperature in the history of, of, of records, 134 degrees. Why would you want to go to a place of death like that? Um, but apparently people flock there and they go there. People like Ken um, obviously love going to, to places that are, are really hot. But, but um, it's record, it has recorded the hottest place ever on the face of the earth. And then it also only gets about two inches of rain each year. I mean, it's a place of death. You kind of see a picture up here. I mean, it's a place of death where there is no life. Well, you think that is bad. Imagine going to the place that Ezekiel went in his vision. That was even worse than Death Valley. This was a valley of, 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 of dry bones. He went to a boneyard is where he went. Notice our first point this morning. It is this, the command of the Lord. In verse 1 we read, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. First we see the vision of Ezekiel. Ezekiel is seeing this valley full of death. A valley that once represented a mighty army marching for the Lord now is nothing more than a boneyard. Can you imagine what that must have been like? I mean, that wouldn't just be a vision. That would be a nightmare, wouldn't it? It'd be a nightmare to, to think about that valley of dry bones once being a mighty army of the Lord. Now it, it, it is a lifeless, dead valley. 
Let me share with you a little bit of background about Ezekiel. Ezekiel was a prophet. He lived amongst the Jewish exiles in Babylon. He was set apart by God to preach the word of God to the people of God. And if you recall from last week, we looked a little bit at Jeremiah, how, and we looked at how God um, punished Israel for their sin and, 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 and allowed them to be they were taken captive by King Nebuchadnezzar, and they would spend 70 years in, in Babylon under captivity. And, and, and Ezekiel was commanded by the Lord in the midst of, of, of this um, exile, amongst the exiled people, to preach to them. The Lord commissioned Ezekiel with these words in Ezekiel chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, we read, And he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet, and I will speak with you. And as he spoke to me, the Spirit entered into me and set me on my feet, and I heard him speaking to me. And he said to me, Son of man, I send you to the people of Israel, to the nation of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. The descendants also are impudent and stubborn. I send you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God. Ezekiel would be tasked with preaching a message of repentance to a bunch of stiff-necked people who were being punished by God because of their sinfulness. How many of you would have signed up for that? Probably none of us, right? Who in their right mind would want to go to preach to a bunch of sinners who would not repent of their sins? Well, Ezekiel was commanded and commissioned by God to do that very thing. Ezekiel didn't sign up for it. He was appointed by God and commanded by him to preach to the people of God, calling them to repentance and restoration. I think there's a lot of similarities between the state of Israel thousands of years ago and the state of America and our world today. We are a lawless people that have rebelled against God. And, and, and if we're not already, we will experience the wrath of God because of our sinfulness. We as a nation and as a church are in desperate need of regeneration. A desperate, we are in a desperate place as a human race. Far more people are living in rebellion today than there are people living in obedience to God. We need a return to the Lord. And Ezekiel was that man that was commanded by God to go to the people of God and tell them to repent and return to the Lord. Notice the, the valley of dry bones reveals great shame. In verse 2 we read, And he led me among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. How does this reveal shame, you may ask? Because it would have been shameful and humiliating for someone that had died not to have received a proper burial. The people did not receive a proper burial. They were left for dead. In ancient times, the only people that did not receive a proper burial were those who were under the curse of sin. You know what kind of curse those that laid in Death Valley were under? They were under the curse of sin. Those bones represented men and women that had rebelled against God. And as a result of that, the Lord had revealed to to Ezekiel the punishment for those people's sin. Folks, all around us, there are dead men, 
women, and students that are walking without Christ. And if they were to die today, they would die in their sin and they would spend eternity separated from God in a real place called hell. That is kind of the picture of what Ezekiel um, is being tasked with um, uh, in, in, this, in this day and time. Preaching to these lawless, sinful people a message of regeneration and repentance. Then in the midst of the death, the Lord asked Ezekiel a question. In verse 3 we read, And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? You know, that question, if it was asked of me, would probably leave me scratching my head, okay? Because bones don't let live. Bones are dead, okay? Those bodies that once were, were clothed those bones had decomposed. And the Lord asked Ezekiel, can these bones live? Dead things are dead, right? It is one thing for life to return to a non-decomposed body. It was one thing um, to imagine um, Elijah and Elijah um, bringing back to life those, those boys. Or Lazarus being raised to life again. Or Jairus' daughter being raised to life again. These were rel- those were relatively recent deaths. But those in Death Valley, those people have been dead for months, if not years. Let me ask you a question this morning. How many times have you thought to yourself, that person is beyond help? Maybe you've thought to yourself, that person is beyond the grace of God. They are too far gone. They, they have lived such a lawless, rebellious life that there is no hope for them to ever enter into a relationship with Jesus. And because of that, because we have in our own understanding determined that, that somebody may not be um, within the help of God, we have just kind of discarded them and righted them off. All of us have been there. All of us have given up on that one neighbor or that crazy cousin or that co-worker of ours. We think that that person on the nightly news responsible for all the lawlessness that we see, we think that person is too far gone, cannot ever enter into a relationship with Jesus. You know, someone once um, thought it was crazy to think that Paul could ever come to faith. You know the story of, of Paul. Um, Paul one day was walking um, down the road um, to Damascus. He was walking on the Damascus Road. You remember why he was going to Damascus? He was going to arrest anyone that belonged to the way, anyone that was a Christian, anyone that was a Christ follower. And as he's walking down that road to arrest and bring back to Jerusalem anyone that belonged to the way, the Lord gets a hold of him. The Lord appears to Paul, and Paul on that road is radically saved. He went from being the chief persecutor of Christians to becoming the greatest champion for Christ that the world has probably ever seen. Along um, in this process, the Lord also struck Paul blind and, and told Paul to go into Damascus and to wait um, and, 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 and to wait. 
for a word, basically. And as the Lord tells them, um, Paul to go into Damascus, the Lord also appears to a man by the name of Ananias. And the Lord tells Ananias to go into the city where he would find Saul or Paul. And, 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 and Ananias immediately kind of pushes back at God and like, like there's no way I'm going there because that man has come to arrest people like me. How can I go there? If I go there, I'm going to be arrested. And notice what the Lord said. Um, or we read this um, in Acts 9, 13 through 14. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. What Ananias was saying of Paul was that Paul was too far gone that there was no hope for Paul. There was no way that Paul could become a follower of the way. But you know what Ananias eventually did? He went to Paul, prayed over Paul. The, the scales fell from Paul's eyes, and Paul immediately became an ambassador for Christ, immediately went into the synagogue and began to preach the truth of Jesus Christ. There is nobody too far gone for Christ. Christ can get a hold of anyone. I think all of us have probably seen that that person that we determine as being a wretched sinner come to faith in Christ. Nobody is too far gone. You and I have been commanded to go to the Valley of Dry Bones as well and to preach a message of hope, a message of repentance, and a message of life. Notice next we see here um, Ezekiel's response. Verse 3 again, and he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Folks, the Lord has made it clear the dead without faith can be brought to life again. Your crazy cousin, your crazy neighbor, your, maybe even your crazy spouse, that crazy coworker. They can come to faith in Jesus. You know how we know that? Because the Lord knows. That's what we read right here. Oh, Lord God, you know, and God does know that there's no one beyond the grace of God. Next, we, we see the Lord's command. In, in, in verse 4, we read, Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones, and say to them, O oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. He tells Ezekiel, Do the impossible. Speak over these dry bones. Man, I think that would be a tough message to preach. But guess what? There was a key statement in that, in that verse. Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. You know how somebody is radically transformed by Jesus Christ? By the word of God. When Ezekiel began to preach and prophesy and speak the word of God, guess what happened? Life will return to these bones. We, sure hear, we see here the assurance in verses five, 5 and 6. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live, and I will lay sinews upon you. And will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you. And you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. Ezekiel is assured 
that when he begins to preach, those dry bones are going to come back together and life is going to return. You know what happens there? God does the impossible through his messenger. And that's what happens every single time you and I preach the word of God. God does the impossible within the life of another. Think about um, this, okay? Here's what we know about our God. Our God is not going to be made a fool of. Okay? Nor is he going to allow us as his church to be made a fool of. Think about Noah for just a second. Okay? Noah builds this boat in the middle of the desert during a time that had yet to see rain. Okay? Took him somewhere around 90, 100 years or so to build this boat. Okay? I guarantee you there was a few people that thought that Noah was a little crazy. right? But in the end, who was the person that was crazy? person that chose not to believe in God. They experienced the consequences for that sin. But Noah's family, they were saved by God's grace, and God provided a shelter for them. Think about um, Abraham and Sarah. Abraham was 100, and Sarah was 90 when Isaac was born. Okay, You talk about a crazy story there. I mean, they were well beyond, Scripture says, the age of bearing children. But what did God do through them? Gave them a son, and what did that son end up becoming? The father of a nation. God is not ever going to be made out to be a fool. If God says something is going to happen, God is, that is going to happen. If God says he is going to use us to do the impossible, God can and will use us to do the impossible. Notice our second point. Notice the obedience of Ezekiel. We read um, here that Ezekiel prophesied as he was commanded. But I think there probably was a bit of trepidation. Okay, In verse 7 we read, So I prophesied as I was commanded. Okay, Remember this is a vision. Okay? Um, but I think even in the midst of that vision, um, there was probably a little bit of trepidation on Ezekiel's part. I don't know that for sure, but I know that if the Lord appeared to me in a vision, and it was a lifelike vision, and he tells me to prophesy over a bunch of bones and say, come back to life bones, I'm probably going to be looking over my shoulder to see if there's a camera watching me do that because um, I might end up on the nightly news or in a mental um, facility if I were to do that. But here's what we see. We see a picture of obedience. Ezekiel was commanded by God to prophesy, and he did. There may have been a hint of trepidation at the beginning, but I think that quickly went away. I know that um, there, there have been many times in my life as a pastor where I've stood before God's people, and there's been some trepidation on my part. There's been some nervousness on my part. There have been times when, when I've stood before people and think, man, and not y'all, Okay, um, think, man, there's not going to be anything that happens today. There ain't going to be anybody that's going to respond to the Lord today. I've had mentors of mine, okay, like Chief, okay, that have told me, when you preach the word of God, preach always believing that someone is going to get saved. 
Preach always believing that life is going, lives are going to be changed. When you and I, as agents of God, go about and do the work of God, we need to believe that God can use us to do radical things. And that is exactly what happens with Ezekiel. Notice next, we see the amazement. Okay, in, in the latter part of verse 7 we read, And as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. Immediately when Ezekiel began to prophesy, what, what happened? Those bones began to shake. Those bones began to rattle. And those bones began to come together and form a person again. Folks, God is always true to his word. We looked at this last week a little bit, but, but, but in Jeremiah 29, 11, this is one of those verses that we looked at where we talked about how we can't claim somebody else's promise. Awesome verse. Man, there's a promise in there for us, but this was not a promise to us, okay? We read, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. What was that promise dealing with? That after 70 years, the people of God would, would be delivered from exile and brought back into the promised land. God did restore these people. God did give them back their land. God did give them a hope and a future and gave them a great name amongst the nations of the world again. God could have made all of this happen without Ezekiel. But that is not how God works, is it? God works through his people, through his word, and by his spirit. Those dry bones would have tendons and organs and flesh return to them. And we see the restoration next. And I looked and behold, the, there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Just like that. Those bones that were scattered all across the land have come back together. There's skin and flesh and organs present once again in them. There's just one problem. Those bones that are now covered with flesh are still lifeless, dead bodies scattered across that desert floor. But there's something that happens next, isn't there? There's a glorious resurrection. We read in verses 9 and 10, Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Only when the Spirit of God blew did life return. The same is true for the dead, lifeless bodies that fill our churches, our homes, our places of employment, government buildings, courthouses. It will not be until they receive the breath of life, the breath of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit, that they will truly be given life and be released from the curse of sin. Right now, all around us, there are dead men, women, students, and children that are walking. 
outside the doors of this church and maybe inside the doors of this church this morning. People without Christ. It will only be when the, when the breath of God breathes upon an individual that an individual will go from death to life. This morning, you may be an individual that is still living in sin. You may still be an individual that is a dead man, woman, or student walking. There is hope for you this morning. Through faith, you too can come to life by God's grace. If you don't know Jesus this morning, in a moment, I want to invite you to respond to him. Our third point this morning is the promise of the Lord. In verses 11 through 13, we read, Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. Then I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. Prophet after prophet after prophet warned Israel that if they did not repent of their sins, punishment would come. You know, I bet the prophets of old wanted to shake a few of, of those Israelites over the years and tell them, listen to me. If you don't repent of your sin, punishment awaits you. Have you ever wanted to shake somebody like that? Okay, probably your kids, right? Maybe not because of their sin, but because of their um, negligence, maybe. You just wanted to kind of shake them and say, listen to me. Get inside your thick skull that if you don't do X, Y, and Z, this will be the consequences. Well, that is exactly what prophet after prophet after prophet after prophet had done with the nation of Israel. They had been messengers of God preaching a message of repentance, saying that repent of your sins. If you don't repent, there are going to be consequences to be faced. That was the message that was preached. The nation of Israel were, were punished for their sin, and they were brought into Babylonian captivity. But in this verse right here, there is this glorious promise. Just that Jeremiah 29, 11 is a glorious promise. Um, for the nation of Israel, there's a glorious promise in this passage of Scripture as well. After a season of punishment, the Israelites would return to the land that the Lord had given them and would restore them into the land of promise. Here is the promise of the Lord for us as well. As a people, as a nation, as a world, and as a church, God not only can but he will restore us if we would return to him. If we too would repent of our sins and ask the Lord to forgive us of those sins and make an about face in the, our lifestyle, go from living for the world and living for him, he too can change us as individuals or us as a world. Our final subpoint this morning, and we're almost done, is the declaration of the Lord. In verse 14, we read, And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. 
You know, as God's declaration was and is, I will do this. After 70 years, God did it. The nation of Israel returned to the promised land, and God restored them. He also promised the nation of Israel that he would come and dwell amongst them and provide a way for them to be released from the curse of sin. And he did come, didn't he? Some 2,000 years ago, the Lord came and dwelt among us. And he went to the cross after living a perfect life, and he died for us. He resurrected to life three days later, providing a way for all of us in this room to experience life through Christ because he died for our sins and was victorious over sin and death. And we, too, can be victorious over sin and death. Let me ask you a question this morning. If you were to die today, do you know where you would spend eternity? Do you know with absolute certainty where you would spend eternity if you were to take your final breath today? If you don't, what is keeping you this morning from knowing? Just a moment, I'm going to be standing here at the front, and I'd love to share with you more about how you can enter into a relationship with Jesus. Getting back to Death Valley. Death Valley is one of the most dreadful places on the planet. But did you know every so often an unexpected rainstorm comes? And, and, and a few months after that rainstorm, the place of death becomes a remarkable place of life. You can see up here on this, on this um, picture. The picture on the right is a picture of Death Valley. The picture on the left is also a picture of Death Valley. The difference between the two is that when, when the rain came, there were seeds all across that, that, that valley floor underneath that dirt. And when those seeds got the, the water that they needed, life sprouted all across Death Valley. And that is exactly what happens within the life of someone that receives the gift of the Holy Spirit at the moment of their salvation. They go from death to life. But what leads to that glorious transformation? The gospel of Jesus. Who has the Lord commissioned to take the gospel of Jesus to a lost and dying world? You and I, right? Just as he commissioned Ezekiel to go and prophesy over that valley of dead bones, he has commissioned us to go and prophesy and preach and declare the truth of God's word to a lost and dying world. In Romans 10, 13 through 17, we read, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. The dry bones can and will live. They just need someone to proclaim the truth of the gospel to them. Ken Robinson spoke these words regarding the super blooms that happens at, at Death Valley. Okay, there's been numerous ones that have happened, but he makes reference to one that occurred in 2004. He says, in the winter of 2004, it rained in Death Valley. Seven inches of rain fell over a very short period. And in the spring of 2005, there was a phenomenon. The whole floor of Death Valley was carpeted in flowers. What it proved is this, that Death Valley isn't dead, it's dormant. 
Right beneath the surface are these seeds of possibility waiting for the right condition to come about. There may be dead people walking all around us without Christ today, but, every, but within everyone is the possibility of going from death to life. And that can happen and will happen when a person responds to Christ. Who is the Lord calling you to preach the good news to? Who is he calling you to preach a message of life and a hope to? My prayer is during this invitation time that you will pray and ask the Lord to, to place a name on your heart, on your mind of someone that you need to share the good news of salvation with, someone that you need to declare the message of hope to so that that person can go from death to life if they repent of their sins and respond to Christ. Pray for that during this time of invitation. You know, you may be here this morning, and you may need to respond to the gospel of Jesus yourself. You may need to go from death to life. And if that is you this morning, I want to invite you to make the greatest decision that you could ever make. Let's stand together. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. And if there's a decision you need to make, you come. You come. Father God, we come before you now, Lord Jesus. Father, thanking you for this glorious story, Father. A story, even though it was a vision, it was something that came true for the nation of Israel. After 70 years, the nation returned to the land of promise. They would go from hopeless people to hope-filled people. And that's what happens when God gets a hold of somebody. Father, there may be somebody in this room this morning that is living a hopeless life today. They may be in desperate need of receiving the gift of life that comes through the person of life through Jesus Christ today. Lord, if there's someone here that has yet to repent of, your sin, of their sins, Lord, may today be the day that they respond to you. There may be somebody here this morning, Lord, that needs to um, pray to you for boldness to go to that person that you have placed upon their heart to share with. Father, give us all a person this morning. If there's a decision you need to make this morning, you come. You come now.